In this podcast, we bring together fascinating people from far and wide to discuss the highlights from their career. My name is Alex Lobert, and welcome to the best job I've ever had. And I think it was an incredible experience, um, but also had some growing pains. What you're describing is like LeBron James version of that. <laughs> I just, I, I felt like I was a part of history at that company. Had I not had gone through those experiences, definitely would not be where I am today. I don't remember feeling like we had grown as big as we had until I, until I left. And I was like, oh, wait, we're like, that was like legit. Like, a huge, <laughs> like that was huge. I have zero regrets. It's, to me, it's the best job I ever had. Today on the show, my co-host Jared and I will be talking with Lauren Legette. I've known Lauren for a while now, and I've always been inspired by her impressive career. Lauren has worked at some of the most well-known companies in the world, Facebook, Google, and Uber. She currently is the chief of staff for global marketing at Google. Before joining Google, Lauren was the business lead for the vice president of product marketing at Facebook, as well as a senior product marketer there. Early in her career, she worked at the Food Network, Fast Company, and was it Uber when it was still a startup and not the global phenomenon that it is today? Lauren also founded Black Women to Watch. Black Women to Watch is a content platform committed to amplifying the voices and stories of black women across industries. It's widely known that Lauren is pretty incredible. Her dynamic career has been recognized by Essence Magazine, and she is also a member of the board of directors at the Cincinnati Country Day School. I'm excited to hear what Lauren's best job is. I suspect all these organizations have set quite a high bar. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we're excited too. Uh, You know, you've had such an impressive career. So first of all, just thank you for coming. But, you know, obviously the, the title of the show is the best job I've ever had. So first question. Lauren, what what is the best job you've ever had? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here and to have this conversation with both of you. Like the idea of like best job ever is like really hard for me to answer because I feel like every job throughout my career, there's like nuggets of different pieces of every job that I would absolutely say like, this was the best moment to do X or this was the best moment where I learned Y. But if I'm not overly critical of the question and I just focus on like my gut reaction, I would totally say Uber, which I think would surprise a lot of people. I love it. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. I'm a little surprised. I mean, you know, you've worked at Facebook, you've worked at Google, started your own company, but Uber, can you tell us a little bit about like, what were you doing at Uber and like what, so what actually sets it apart? Like, why does it stand out for you as the best job? Yeah. I mean, I think if you think about this, right, like it was 2014 when I joined Uber, which as hard as it is to believe was like kind of when people really didn't know what it was like major cities had it. And I think if you were like really into like the tech world or like really adventurous and you were totally into the gig economy, like you absolutely maybe had heard of it or read about it. Um, But I think the average person like didn't really know what Uber was. Um, So I left New York, I left working at the Food Network, which at the time my parents were like, what in the world are you doing? You're leaving the Food Network for this like no name company. What are you talking about? You want to work at a taxi company? Like, what are you saying? (laughs) And um, it just was, it was sort of like, I took a chance. Like I had been working 
and you know reading a lot about tech and this like booming industry and Travis Kalanick is like literally everywhere and still people don't really know what Uber's about. Um, but I felt like I, I could take a chance. So I kind of took this job without really knowing a whole lot about like the future of the industry. Like I'm, I'm gonna be completely honest. Like it wasn't like I took this and I was like, oh, it's pre-IPO, I can make a lot of money or like, this is gonna be the next thing. Like I, I truly just took a chance. I wanted to move to DC. I wanted to do a cool job. And this felt like a cool opportunity. Um, so I took the job and what's so funny, people are always surprised when I say this, but like at the time that I joined, I was hired to be a marketing manager, um, for at the time, the city of Pittsburgh. And I was based out of DC. The only thing I knew about the Pittsburgh is growing up. My dad was a huge Steelers fan still is to this day. And that's about it. I didn't know anything else. Um, and so I was kind of like, I'm surprised that they want me to work on the Pittsburgh market, but I'll be living in DC, which is ultimately where I wanted to be. Um, and so I was a marketing manager. I was the first one at the time and I helped us launch, um, you know, Uber in Pittsburgh. And then slowly that expanded to launching Uber in Pennsylvania then the Northeast. And it's sort of my remit kept getting bigger and bigger. Um, and so, you know, I think the reason why I said this was my first or my best job um, is because I think that's where I grew the most. And when I think about it in the context mm -hmm. of like, what mm -hmm. is my best? Um, it's where I threw myself into the deep end. It's where I gained um, the skills. I absolutely don't think I would be where I am right now if I had not worked at Uber at that specific time. Um, I also worked at a time, you know, when I joined Uber, when you would like lose your phone in the car or like, heaven forbid, you had a crazy night and you got sick and threw up, <laughs> the Uber driver has to figure out how to get that cleaned up. When you ride into Uber and like those people were responding to you, like that was us. We had to fill out, we called those tickets and we had to fill out 50 tickets a week. So that was my first time ever, you know, working through customer service. I'd never been exposed to like, how do you engage, not just with the customer who is often perceived as the rider, but for all intents and purposes, the driver was as well. Um, it was the first time I'd ever done any like business development type of work. I did deals with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and, you know, it was always so funny. People would see me early 20s coming in doing like mega deals on behalf of Uber, you know, at the point where we got to be a pretty big name and people kind of knew what we were. Um, they were always surprised that like the company was sending in this like you know, black woman, young, like, you know, I, it just, I feel like it caught a lot of people off guard. So it was the first time that I felt like I learned so much um, and grew so much in the time that I was there. It was the first time that I think I really truly did something that scared me. And uh, as I said, I, I don't think I would be where I am today if I had not taken advantage of that opportunity. I started my career in the Bay Area. So I had some early exposure to Uber. Like I kind of knew about Uber around 2014 but you're exactly right like i thought of it as a car service company way out of my price range <laughs> yeah and something I that i just as a black car service yeah absolutely. right um so it's it's it, like i knew of it but man the, the delta between that first you know knowing like knowing it and then kind of realizing it was ubiquitous was was like such a short amount of time did did uber start in in pittsburgh was that like their um initial foray into like the northeast yeah i mean at the time that i i started at uber uh all major cities had already sort of launched and so we were thinking yeah. through like how do we do how do we go from you know we've tackled the major markets 
Now it's trying to really tackle every single corner um, of the United States. And so Pittsburgh was sort of like one of the big cities in Pennsylvania. You know, I was on the sort of what became the Pennsylvania team. Um, But there were folks working on Baltimore, you know, DC had already launched, but Baltimore had not. There were, you know, the equivalent of that sort of everywhere. so, you know, it was, it was the first time I'd learned like really truly what it meant to, to launch a product um, and everything that comes with it. It's not just like you just turn on the app and that's it. There's such a robust go-to-market process that, you know, frankly, prior to that role, I had not even considered how, the, how that process works. Um, but yeah, to, to your question, you know, it was definitely something that was like hyper-local at first and very quickly. I mean, we were literally like in Erie, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I don't know if you know enough about uh, Pennsylvania. I certainly learned through that experience. And it's so funny, you know, people, I meet people all the time and they're like, oh, I'm from, you know, small town in Pennsylvania. I'm like, try me. I bet you, I know. I've been to (laughs) Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. I've been really everywhere. Um, But yeah. So obviously when you went there, Uber was still pretty, pretty scrappy. Um, pretty small. Like, do you think that the culture or the feeling of like being a startup, does that, did that like influence like how much you enjoyed it? Yeah. I mean, at the, at the time, I think that I did not um, value the scrappiness as much, certainly after, um, you know, before that I had come from a very like corporate environment. I worked in TV you know, the industry of television production, all that stuff is kind of like, it's, it's been there for a while. It operates in the same capacity. There's not a whole lot of um, new and innovative things happening in terms of like the way that we, that people work. Um, and so, you know, I got, I'd gone from a place that was like super corporate, very buttoned up to like, hey, this is the problem we have to solve for. It's very um, ambiguous and everyone's got to roll up their sleeve and, sleeves and kind of figure it out. And, and there wasn't really like an approval process. It was like, you want to try this? Like, sure, go for it, do it. Um, and so, you know, I appreciated it from the standpoint of, I think in the work that I do professionally today, I have some of that natural scrappiness. That's, I think, um, definitely a learned behavior that it certainly wasn't, you know, I, I, I think I'm definitely type A when you take the personality test. I'm the person that's like very organized, detailed. I like all of the information. Um, but I think working at Uber definitely put me outside of my comfort zone and pushed me to navigate ambiguity, which frankly, you know, in the work that I do today is so critical. So when you switched from the Food Network um, and you kind of pivoted into tech, you, that changed the arc of your career into kind of being in tech, it seems based on, you know, your resume as it were, but after the Uber kind of practice, um, it seems like you've stayed in tech, but in kind of larger companies, is that, is that purposeful? Do you like the balance of the tech environment with the allows for some entrepreneurship and then also is kind of the structures that you were referring to around like, you know, how do we make sure that people want to come to work every day? It's a rich question. And to be honest, like I think at, at Uber, um, it's where I developed my passion for working on products that ultimately become a utility. Like if you think about Uber, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people thought initially that it was just like, oh, if you need a black car, if you want to like drop some money and show up in like a nice, really nice ride, like you can take an Uber. And then that that eventually migrated into, 
okay, if you're having like a crazy night out with friends and you don't want to drink and drive, you know, you should take an Uber. And then eventually it became like, oh no, there's so many more use cases. If I need to go to the airport, if I, you know, need to go to a place where I don't want to have to worry about parking, if I don't have a car, I mean, it became much more of a utility rather than a luxury. Um, and then again, if you think about Facebook, you know, it's not just about social media and chatting with friends. For a lot of people, the platform is how they engage and stay connected to people throughout several different phases of their lives. I mean, I, I know several people that I don't have their phone numbers, but if I needed to get in touch with them, I could do that on social media. Um, and, you know, we hear, you know, so many different stories about how the platform, speaking about Facebook and the entire, uh, you know, network within Facebook or the company formerly known as Facebook, I should say, um, <laughs> you know, all of those things have empowered people to be entrepreneurs. That's how they make their, their money. That's how they sell their products through Facebook marketplace, Instagram shopping, all of those things. It's become a utility. It's much more than just a, a means of chit-chatting with friends. Um, again, Google, the products and services become a critical, um, you know, set of products that people use to run businesses, to engage with, with uh, friends and family, to hold memories, you know, there's just so many different things that, that it's not just a nice to have. These things have become critical to the way that people live their lives. And I'm really passionate about working on those types of products. And absolutely that, that fire and that passion was birthed at uh, my time at Uber. Let's talk about bosses a little bit. Um, I know that, you know, from my life, uh, you know, whether I really like my boss is one of the most predictive factors of, am I happy? I think data bears that out. <laughs> so Uber, like what, so like, who is, who is your boss? Were they great? You don't like, you can like give me a John Doe kind of name if you want, but, uh, like, how is that? Yeah. Yeah. No, I will say that like, I've been really fortunate, not just at Uber, but just entire, my entire career. Um, I've had bosses that I really admire, um, Again, like I choose jobs and opportunities based on, can I learn from the work that I'm doing, but also can I learn from the person who's, who's leading me, who's hiring me, who I'm working with every day. Um, and so knowing that early on, a lot of my decisions have been based on that. And I think, you know, maybe it speaks to my, my ability to measure character pretty early on, but I, I think I've made a lot of really smart choices um, knowing that and keeping that in mind. My manager at, at Uber was phenomenal. Um, to be honest, gave me my first opportunity at being a manager, which was, I think, wow. <laughs> overwhelming. Um, I think, you know, it sounds like you both have, have, have sort of been in the same experience where, you know, we've worked at places where I think they put people in management positions really kind of, go ahead, try it out. You're a manager. You've done really <laughs> great at the work that you do, but now you have to be a manager. And yep. I didn't know how to do that. There was no playbook. There was no like training session. There was no like, oh, go here and this is how you learn. Um, and so as, as amazing as it was, um, I also continued to question my ability to be a manager because I, there was, like, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I felt like I was doing what I liked as a manager. Um, I also went through the very weird like transition period of like the people that I managed were previously my peers, which is also mm -hmm. like that in and of itself is like a, a crazy transition. And I think you have to be coached effectively into that. Um, but like I said, my manager had a lot of, of faith in me um, and gave me opportunities that I think, again, have contributed to who I am uh, as a professional today. So incredibly grateful for her and 
we stay in contact even today. Um, I think also too, she um, came into Uber from a different industry as did I. And so I think that there were a lot of similarities with like that transition and kind of navigating through, you know, I think back to like my experience uh, applying for the role. I don't know that I would say I was the obvious candidate. I mean, of course, I don't know who else was applying for the role, but like I was coming from like a kind of totally different world in media and in publishing. Like it, it just wasn't like the obvious fit, at least, you know, in my opinion. Um, and so she took a chance on me. I, obviously, she saw something in the interview process, but I think from an early, from, from the very, very beginning, it was very clear that she was putting a lot of faith in me and, and saw a spark of my leadership capability and continued to um, help me develop that. So I am forever grateful for our relationship and we still keep in contact to this day. I mean, it sounds like you've had some awesome bosses, which, you know, I can echo Alex. I think probably the largest quotient of my, you know, happiness at a job is whether or not I, I feel that I'm, you know, being respected, people are giving me opportunity that I feel like I'm being mentored. So I can totally relate to that. I guess my, my next question is, has, you know, around your, you know, clearly your bosses have been great. Have, have they been your key mentors along the way, or have you kind of broadened that scope to other people within the org that have kind of helped you you know, grow and, and develop in that way? Yeah, it's a good question. I have a, um, I have a very like kind of detailed perspective on, on that, that has evolved over time. Um, and, you know, I think Alex, we both know Ty Mod Taylor. I'm going to shout him out because he's like one of the most amazing people. Go Ty. Um, but he <laughs> was a former boss that I had at Facebook. Um, and he actually taught me this and I, and I've definitely adopted this over time, but um, everyone should have what's called like a personal board. Um, and your personal board consists of people who are mentors, which kind of fulfill, fulfill, fulfill the traditional role of a mentor. I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. Then you have advisors. Um, and that's someone who operates in a similar capacity as a mentor, um, but is a little bit different in that they are not necessarily someone that you keep in contact on a regular basis. Perhaps it's like every couple of months, it's not as frequent as a mentor. Um, and then you have someone who's like sort of ad advocating for you in spaces that you're not in. So perhaps like you um, have a close relationship with someone who is on the lookout for other opportunities, but perhaps they're at a company that you hope to get to. Um, and they're mm -hmm. sort of like keeping an eye out for you of like, oh, I know you want to come to this company. This role just opened up. I think you'd really great. I've been speaking about you to this colleague. I think you, you know, the two of you should connect over coffee. So I try to mirror that, that setup and make sure that my personal board consists of sort of one of each of those categories. So to answer your question, you know, if you think about my entirety of my personal board, it's not always the fact that my manager is my mentor. In most instances, I, I you know, I hope that they can operate in a mentor-like capacity, um, sure. but it's not necessarily a default. I really focus on keeping that like personal board as full as possible and learning and and evolving based on the relationships that I have with sort of everyone who kind of fits one of those three categories that I just described. Um, but I am definitely intentional about making sure that I have folks um, that are in my same organization, in my same team, but also in other teams as well. Um, so just make sure that I have an outlet. I mean, there's a lot of times where you're stressed or you don't know how to handle a situation and you don't always want someone in your reporting line to be the go-to. Um, I think that's natural and normal. And so being able to have someone 
you know, in the company, perhaps in a different team or even outside of the company, but like knows the landscape. I think all of that is critical. Absolutely. Very interesting yeah. how structured that is, to be honest. I, I, I appreciate that. I may uh, take that forward. Yeah, Ty would be happy to take it on. You would. The, con- the concept of personal board is, um, it's a it's great. Like that is a uh, such a good concept. I think everyone should know about having mentor sponsors and being pretty structured about it. All right. So you did leave Uber though. What made you leave? Yeah, good question. Well, I'll say that I, I truly believe that we're at a point um, where, number one, I think people don't stay at jobs as long as, as they used to. Um, and so I've always been intentional about wanting to gain as much experience as possible. You know, certainly I don't want to like stay here for a little bit and stay there for a little bit. So I, I stayed there for a, a while. And I think I was exposed to a lot of really amazing opportunities. I lived in Mexico City for a little bit and um, did marketing in um, Ciudad de Mexico. Um, got to practice my Spanish. Spanish. Um, I moved to Miami and um, worked and did some deals in South Florida, the Miami Marlins. I mean, I, I, I really got to flex a lot of skills and learned a lot. Um, I also think that I reached a capacity where I didn't feel like I was learning new things. I was taking the things that I had learned and doing them in different cities or in different parts of the business, but I wasn't learning anything new. Um, And so it just became an opportunity to look elsewhere. And, um, you know, I think at the time as well, like the company was going through a lot of transitions and changes. My team that I was on was going through a lot of transitions and changes. And I always say that like when, when companies or organizations or teams are going through significant change, it's always a good time for you to consider like, okay, do I want to, you know, ride the wave and, and work through this transition or do I want to explore? And that, that's not a bad thing. It's not a reflection upon like you not agreeing with the changes. It's just change happens. And, and we know that to be true, especially in this, you know, in the space of tech where I would say change happens more often than not. Um, I try to always look at those moments of transition as an opportunity to explore, like, do I want to move on? And so I was open. I would say I wasn't actively looking, but I was open. And um, my friends will appreciate this story. I, I was sort of open and was kind of like allowing opportunities to come to me and not quite at the point of like, I was actively sending out my resume and, you know, having conversations, just kind of interview practice as we as we say, um, and a recruiter from Facebook reached out and I opened it on LinkedIn and literally had like this sick feeling in my stomach because I knew that if I interviewed and like got excited and got it, I was going to, to take it. And I had just moved to Miami maybe like eight months prior and wasn't really looking to move. I was kind of like in a standard, you know, a, a comfortable position in Miami. Although I was open to other role opportunities, I wasn't looking to move to San Francisco, but the stars aligned, Facebook presented a really awesome opportunity. And uh, it was time for me to spread my wings and and to to put the things that I had learned at at Uber um, to the test. So yeah, I mean, I think, you know, chapters end and new chapters begin. And so, you know, I I would be remiss if I didn't say that, like, obviously that the company was going through, I think, publicly a very difficult time. And I think that they were going from you know, being the startup to being this massive company and it happens so quickly. I, like I, 
like, you know, when you think about all of the moments and the experiences that happened during that time period, like I don't remember feeling like we had grown as big as we had until I, until I left. And I was like, oh, wait, we're like, that was like legit. Like, a huge, <laughs> like that was huge. Um, but when I started, I was like, not aware because it wasn't, um, you know, I started, again, I started and my dad was like, what company is this? He used to clip newspaper articles out of like the USA Today and like all these other newspapers. And he would mail them to me of like, different instances of where they were talking about Uber and it got to be so many articles that he had to stop sending it. Um, so like even that progression of like, you know, a newspaper clipping here and there to like literally like envelopes full that he was mailing to me. Um, so I just, I think the world appreciated the value, the value add that Uber had to offer. And we got really big, really fast. And it's a huge success story, um, but I think it's also a really good example of how, you know, when you when you run a business like so many entrepreneurs are doing, um, how to be mindful of that growth and what that means, not only from a business perspective, but the internal um, culture perspective. N- new goal for me is to have a job where my parents can clip out <laughs> headlines yeah. of what I'm doing and and eventually max that out. I think that's, that's, uh, it's such a cute a high story. Bar. It, it I've really told that is. story so many times. And my, it's so funny because, you know, my dad and I talk about it a lot. Like you, your, your parents obviously follow your career journey. Um, and I remember, you know, that when I left New York and I sort of left what they, what they, what we all thought was like a really amazing opportunity. And I, and I go to this, like Uber, he's like, what is this? Like, it just bless his heart. He was just so like, dad about it, you know, and, and, uh, sending me the clips. Um, but it, I love telling that story because I think it's like, it's a real, I mean, you can, you can kind of see that in your mind. It's a real example of how, like it just happened so fast. And I've, I've never experienced that. And I think it was an incredible experience. Um, but also had some growing pains. It's, it's a great story. It really is. It reminds me though, like the only time that I've had clippings are in Kirksville, Missouri's newspaper from playing soccer when I was younger and I'm like those are great what you're (laughs) what you're describing is like LeBron James version of that (laughs) oh well I mean I didn't say that the articles had my name in them (laughs) I guess I should also say that like I had the really amazing opportunity of working on the self-driving technology um which launched in Pittsburgh and then eventually scaled to to um San Francisco but again, like this really innovative opportunity of thinking through what the future could look like. I remember the first time I took a ride in the car before it was open to the public. And I remember just thinking like, I'm going to be able to tell my grandkids that like, they're going to be riding around in self-driving cars, like on a regular, like totally. not a big deal. And I'm going to be like, I was in the first one. And they're going to be like, okay. And like, I do this every day, but <laughs> still a really cool moment. I have the photos. Um, I just, I I felt like I was a part of history at that company. Um, I know a lot of people have maybe not so great things to say about the journey that they've been on, um, but I have zero regrets. It's to me, it's the best job I ever had. Clearly the, um, you know, your your transition from Uber and this kind of startup role to a more institutional tech companies like Facebook and Google, um, but it's clear you still have some kind of entrepreneurial itch. And uh, so, you know, Alex and I would love, it, it maybe didn't land the best job I ever had moniker, but would love to hear about, you know, your story and, and what motivated you to start Black Women to Watch. 
Well, I will, it is my best job. I told you, I have so many. We could do like an episode on every It's not, job. you only get yeah. one. Yeah. No, the idea of a hierarchy isn't fair. But, I never play that game, but, fairly, but it, like if someone says like, what's your favorite? Like, I can't, I can't pick one. Um, yep. So this is my other best job I ever had. Um, no, I, you know, I think um, having worked in tech, I think having just been a, Black women in you know professional industries and corporate environments, um, the representation is always a struggle. Um, and so I didn't start Black Women to Watch with the idea of it being a company or a business or like even something that anyone else would care about. It started because um, I was navigating this industry where I didn't see a whole lot of people at the top who looked like me, um, and I needed to ask questions. I needed, I needed advice on how to navigate certain situations. I needed um, insights on where to go, what to do, how to, how to learn, how to get access to information. I needed, I needed someone who I could um, consult with. I started Black Women's Watch because I was having these amazing conversations and, and like hanging up the phone with people and literally like had written quotes that they had, they had said. And I was like, I kept saying to myself like, the world needs to hear what so-and-so just said because it was just like so amazing. Um, and I also felt like there was not a place where people were talking about like the, the next generation of black women who are you know on the rise to like disrupt this industry or disrupt this company or just whatever. Um, and so I wanted to create a space where I was having these conversations organically um, and I just wanted to share them or like if there was a black woman in business or an entrepreneurship or whatever that I thought was inspiring or doing something really cool that like could be the next, you know, Uber or could be the next whatever, you know, I wanted people to know about it. And so I, it really just started with like, I think this is cool. I'm going to share it. Um, I had this conversation. I'm going to post it. And I was like kind of, kind of sending it to friends. And I think COVID just gave me. Um, the space to recognize that like I needed to share these stories and like let's be clear like there's so many different places where people are talking about diverse voices who are you know doing amazing things across industries um number one I think that there's always room for continued conversations on that but number two I think the differentiator that Black Women to Watch offers is that we're really thinking about like who's the next generation of these like really amazing women and what can you learn from their journey or how can you support their journey? Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that when you think about, you know, spaces that, you know, industries are really thriving like tech, um, you know, representation is continuously a conversation that is that is at the forefront of like, we need more diverse voices, not just in the company, you know, at lower levels, but also at senior executive levels. Um, and the more that I continue to grow in my career, uh, the more that I want to showcase those stories and hopefully share my own. Um, so, you know, I, I started it again, like a hobby. I just loved these conversations and um, it's kind of become something that I did not expect. You know, um, I love the conversations. I love the commitment that the audience um, seems to have with the content. Like people, the other day we posted something and, and someone was like, oh my gosh, I love this page because I just feel like there's so many black women who I don't know about. And like, that is like, makes me want to like, just cry because it's the type of thing that I want people to, to hear and to say and to think. Um, and yeah, I just want to be helpful in amplifying their voices and their stories. And I, and I want to 
um, you know, hopefully give light to some of the really amazing things that are happening across the entire world, but, um, you know, specifically to um, and with Black women. So that's what we do. Um, we, we have a podcast as well. So I, I know what you all are embarking on and I wish you the very best of luck. I love this conversation. So I know you will be great. Um, but I, I think it's, you know, a lot of the lessons that I just talked about of like being scrappy. Like when I first started my podcast, I didn't have like a microphone. Um, I didn't know what, what, <laughs> like what platforms yeah. to use. And I like had conversations with people and I was like, okay, what do you use? What do I need to buy? Like, tell me like, you know, all the things. Um, and so I, a lot of the skills and things that I just walked you through that I learned at Uber, like it, it, it's exactly showing up in the work that I do with Black Women to Watch. And so it's like this full circle moment. And, and I, um, the last thing I'll say is I, I, the other day I interviewed um, someone who, um, well, I'll let you check out the episode um, to yeah. know who it was, but this person, um, I've been following their career for the better part of like the last 10 years. Um, and they've been on this like amazing professional journey and like, quite honestly is like at the peak C-suite position at like one of the most important companies in, you know, tech and in the industry and just uh, in the world. Um, and it was such a full circle moment of like, I remember reading about her and then I remember meeting her for the first time. And now like she, the culmination of like the two worlds have collided and now she's a guest on my podcast. And so I don't know, the, that full circle moment just really made me feel like this entire journey was like such a, it, I don't know. I, I hope it inspires other people, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I, and I, um, I just want to continue to share the stories and hopefully give voice to people who um, don't always get to share their story. Incredible. Yeah, you're, you're doing such important work. So um, thank you. Uh, and we'll definitely link to this podcast episode. Uh, in our show yeah. notes so that people cool. can go find it. Amazing. All right. Last, last question we want to end with Lauren, is there, is there any piece of advice from you know your best job or from your career that you'd like to leave for people um, also trying to find their best job? You know, I would say number one, be intentional about making sure that when you take a job that you are inspired, not only by the work, but by the people you work with and work for. Um, again, I've really been intentional about making sure that as much as I'm evaluating, you know, an offer that I get from a company, I also want to talk to someone who works there um, that maybe wasn't a part of my interview loop to get the real scoop and the real deal of like what it's like to work there. I think, um, you know, to the extent possible, asking to talk to someone who would report into the person that you also would report into to understand like what that relationship is like that's been really impactful for me and, and something that I've learned along the way. And so I encourage people to consider doing that. Um, and then I, I truly, I mean, yes, I have a difficult time kind of picking the best or my favorite, um, but I truly believe that like every job I've ever had, there's, a, there's something about it that I would say is the best of X. Like it, it really is about taking little pieces of every experience and, and kind of like taking lessons learned. Um, and then I guess the, the third and final thing I would say is, you know, I feel like my best moments often happen when I put myself in scary situations. Um, the first time that I became a chief of staff, like I remember someone said, I think you'd be really great at the chief of staff role. And I was like, huh, that's funny. Um, and like, it wasn't that I doubted myself. It was just that like, I didn't think that I could 
that I was ready. Um, it's not that I doubted my ability to do it. It's that I didn't, I just didn't think that I was prepared yet. It was a goal that I definitely thought I could maybe aspire to, but I just didn't think I was ready. And so applying, I was scared. Um, interviewing, I was scared. Taking the job, I was scared. But again, I think for me, the moments where you feel a little bit nervous um, are when really magical things happen. And so I try to always align myself in positions that like scare me just a little bit. I think being afraid just a little bit is important. And I think it inspires some really magical things to happen. Um, so I hope anyone listening would consider like, what can I do tomorrow that scares me just a little bit? I think it's a great, great spot to end it on. So Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thanks Lauren. This was awesome. I really appreciated the conversation and, um, it was incredible. Thanks again. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Follow our podcast to get the latest episodes of the best job I've ever had.